Hey everybody, welcome back to Crafted, presented by the Blister Craft Collective on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing, along with the first companies in our Blister Craft Collective, over at blisterreview.com. Today, we have part two of my conversation with John Kimmich, who is the co-owner and brewer at The Alchemist and the creator of one of the most sought-after beers in the world, Eddie Topper. And John and I talk quite a bit in this portion of the conversation about Hetty Topper and how it has evolved over the years and or how it has stayed the same. And along the way, John shares a very strong principle that might arguably be a hallmark for any craft company. You'll have to see for yourself what you think about that. But we also talk about John and Jen's other passions and priorities and concerns in this conversation. And as you'll hear John say, those things matter to them just as much as brewing outstanding beer. And so let's now go ahead and get to part two, a conversation with John Kimmich. Here we go. So back to Hetty Topper. And I think it is fair to effectively credit you with creating sort of the modern profile or the profile of the modern IPA. What I'm interested in, and is you just talked very well about the hazy phenomenon, I want to kind of circle back to Hetty and talk about the evolution of it, uh, how much you try to sort of you know, ingredients change, you know, that certainly changes over time. But how much you are trying to stick to something like the original formulation for Hetty Topper versus how much do you look at that as its own small room for maybe regular tweaking or evolution, you know, the consistency versus evolution of one of the most famous craft beers in the world uh yes i think that i think in general um and people speak of it the the alchemist flavor profile we have a very distinct flavor profile that is all born out of what i want our beer to taste like heady topper from the time i first brewed it which was probably like january of 2004 kind of that that early in the first winter of our existence um, and it went through many, many changes because those years at the pub, that was, those were serious research years of having the, the freedom and ability to make changes, try new ingredients, try new techniques on a whim, have instant feedback upstairs. Um, it's not going out into the world. I'm literally walking down the bar, talking to people, reading reviews online, seeing how people accept uh, some of these tweaks that I made. Uh, once that beer reached what I call its its final form, at that point, um, it really has not changed much. You know, it changes in the sense that I am using different barley and different hops every year. Um, that is something that, again, 
the when you start looking at the world of wine versus the world of beer, that is something that has long been understood in the wa- world of wine or vintages. That every year you have a new yeah. harvest of yep. grapes, they have different flavors, um, and that is accepted. Somehow, that old way of thinking uh, of beer brewing kind of hung on where it should taste like Budweiser tastes the same every year, every year. It's the exact same beer. Ridiculous. Uh, that is what, that's the very definition of craft in my opinion. Uh, so again, it took as many years of educating people that when I go out West and I select my hops for all of my beers every year, um, but specifically for Hetty and Focal, our, our, our big production beers, I have that opportunity to create what those beers are going to taste like for the next 12 months. And that's what I love so much that when people will be like, Oh, this, this doesn't taste like Hetty did four years ago. It's like, well, of course (laughs) you knucklehead. Why would it? (laughs) These are different ingredients. It's the same ingredients in that yes it has simcoe in it and it has different varieties of hops in it and it's made from the barley from the same producer i've been using for years but there is the terroir of each season that is presented to you for those 12 months that you're drinking it that is the fun and the magic of standing there and and analyzing different lots of hops and deciding what each is going to bring to the game and how they're going to play together and what that final beer is going to taste like for the year. A lot of breweries still think like that old school way of thinking that this is my flagship brand. I want it to taste exactly the same year to year. That has never been our philosophy. And we love the fact that you about, it's usually right around February every year that the the New Year's production hits the marketplace. And so that's when people will be trying the difference between last year's crop and the New Year's crop. It's important for us to maintain that. We we are a craft brewery. I will never become one of those regional breweries where things get homogenized for some perceived need of the customer to have the exact same thing year to year. I don't really care about that. Um, all I care is that it excites me and Jen. If that's the case, the rest falls into place. Uh, we have a loyal customer base. We have an educated customer base. And we are always finding new customers that are being turned onto our beer for the first time. Uh, a lot of times it's people that have been into craft beer for years. And then all of a sudden they get one of ours. And then they're like, aha, now... I know why people talk about this beer. Like, holy shit, this is amazing. Um, that's all we're concerned with, uh, having that impression on people. And when people do come back after not having our beer for a couple of years, they're like, wow, this is as good as I remember, it, if not better. Like, I've had a lot of beers since then, and this kind of puts them all to shame. Um, we've succeeded if that's your takeaway from drinking our beer. Given the success of Hetty Topper, I have been thinking a lot about how you think about that success, given the fact that I am sure you believe this, you are 
very passionate about other styles of beer too. And there are some phenomenal ones. And just to my recent experience at the beer garden in Stowe, you know, having for the first time Pappy's Secret Stash, Pappy's Porter. And I'm kind of coming in and I'm like, I'm like maybe many people. I know one or two beers from The Alchemist. And I'm like, well, now we're about as far away from a beer like Hetty Topper. And these are freaking delicious. Crusher, another outstanding beer. How do you think about this? Because I, I frankly started to think a little bit about like, if Bob Dylan, if people were only like, well, you know, he wrote that one song, it's pretty good. And then everything else in the catalog just kind of fell by the wayside. And, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm not a one hit wonder here. So I'm just curious, your own experience, having lived through kind of this phenomenon and this reality, how you have, well, experienced this and lived this, if you accept some of what I'm laying out here. Well, it's like this, uh, you know, for nine years, we had the brew pub and I was putting everything under the sun on draft. Um, at any given time, there'd be 10 to 12 different styles of beer on tap. And that was hugely influential in the world of craft beer. Um, brewers came through our pub all the time, whether they'll admit it or not. They walked away inspired in one way or another. And then when Hurricane Irene came through and wiped out that pub and we were reduced to only producing Hetty Topper for a number of years, it was at a very um, important time in the lifespan of craft beer. It was when craft beer was really exploding in the 2010 to 2018, kind of in those years. You have a lot of young people first getting into craft beer, and many of them, I can't tell you how many people would be like, oh, the, I didn't know The Alchemist makes stout. And it's like, you know, obviously they're too young to have ever experienced what we were before we were just a packaging brewery. And that's fine. I mean, that's just, that is what it is. That That's just timing and people's experiencing what we have to offer. And it took us a number of years until we were able to get to the place where we could start making again all of these beers that that we made on the on a regular basis. Uh, because being in a packaging industry, there's a lot more to it. I don't just brew it, carbonate it, and put it on a faucet upstairs and away it goes. You gotta you gotta package it. You gotta have label approval. You've got to design the labels. You've got to have the labels printed. Like it is it's a completely different business model. And so for me, uh those years were exciting and fun, but at the same time it was very restrictive because I couldn't let the world try all of these many different styles that that we are very enthusiastic about. And quite honestly, I feel that we brew amazing examples of those styles. So it's kind of cool. And it also plays right into that. And the way we sell those specialty beers now, um, by having exclusive releases just at the beer garden. Uh, you know, we're no dummies. We, we are very adept business people. And we understand the value of 
that. And so what we wanted to do was recapture what we were very purposeful in creating with our pub is that all of the great places on earth, whether it has to do with food and beverage or not, they are unique and you have to travel to that place to experience it. All of the great pizza restaurants, you got to go there. You got to wait in line. You got to be that first customer. You come in when the A team is making those pizzas and you sit down where it is handed to you right out of the oven. That is the true experience of what you're going to get. You're going to get that even put in a box and delivered to your house. It's, you, you could ruin a masterpiece in that half an hour that it spends in that box. So when we had that pub, we were very, that's why we never even did growlers. People used to tell us we're nuts for doing growlers. You know, growlers? It's like, no, because I don't trust you for a second to take that beer out of here and to keep it in good shape and then drink it because you're going to put it in your trunk. You're going to drive wherever you're going. You're going to ruin it. You're going to hold on to it for six more weeks until you and all your dopey friends get together and stand around and you stand there like an expert and say, this is heady topper. And then you pour out a growler full of shit and they're all walking away like this beer is terrible. So we we very consciously didn't allow that to happen. And um, same thing with our production brewery. We didn't do it until we were ready to do it, until we could get it to you the way we felt confident that it's going to do it justice. Um, and that's just the way it is. You know, people come in and then they try these other beers and they're blown away. And you certainly shouldn't be surprised because, again, you don't just make world-class IPA by chance. Um, it happens due to attention to detail and skill and talent. Um, there's only so far that hard work and anything will take you. Talent is what is the big definer in there. That, that, un, that unspoken kind of aspect that is the difference between world-class and good. You know, I mean, there's, it's that indefinable thing. Um, you know, pizza is flour, sauce, and cheese. But as anybody can tell you, there's a lot that could go wrong in between. And, and what is it about a place that absolutely makes your knees buckle when you take that first bite? Cause you're like, wow, you know, it's talent. And it is the, the connection to your ingredients and your process and your approach and your mindset and what you're trying to accomplish and what you're willing to sacrifice to maintain that level of quality. And uh, we're willing to sacrifice quite a lot. I mean, I, you know, how many nights I lay there in bed and that's all I'm thinking about is beer and how we can make it better and what I can do and this and that and how this affects that. And I mean, that is, that's all part of it for something like, um, you know, beer. I love having that opportunity for somebody like you to come in, who's never known anything but heady or focal and to not just get a, uh, whatever, but when you get it, you're like, holy crap, this is really good too. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, yeah, of course it is. Um, I've been doing it a long time, you know? And uh, and 
and you don't give more attention to one thing because it's more popular, I mean, everything that we put our name on, I'll put up against anything that anybody brews anywhere. I'll put my side, I'll, I'll have you do a tasting of my sour beers next to all the big names. I am confident that I will, I will impress you with any one of those beers that we make. And if I'm not that confident about it, you're never going to, it will never touch your lips. Hmm. I love this too. And I love, this is kind of what I wanted to get at because there is a version, there is an alternate universe where it's like, there's this guy, John, he, uh, to use your favorite phrase, got lucky. People blew up, got all excited about this heady topper beer. So now he's like, well, that's sweet. I guess we kind of found this cash cow and I can just kind of ride that out for years on years. And one of the things I really love actually about your videos is anybody who is under the impression that whatever they're doing over at the Alchemist, they're just kind of making this heady topper and they can just kind of do that. And there's still a market for it. And, you know, that's that's kind of where they are that you're coasting the passion that gets conveyed in those short tasting videos is just so fun for one, but two, I love that that passion for these different styles. And anybody who just heard you speak for the last three minutes, this is clear. But that's the stuff that I find really exciting about uh, people in different elements of their respective craft. I want to see that like they're still juiced. They're still trying to figure out these different worlds. There is no coasting. I feel like as we try to get clear on like, what do we even mean by craft or what makes something a craft company? And you've made some comments in this conversation to that end. Maybe we don't just emphasize consistency. We're not trying to kill off everything for the sake of a, you know, frozen consistency, right? I think this is maybe another one of the things I really think about is, did you stop caring about this industry some years ago? <laughs> that might remove you sort of from the craft conversation. You know what I mean? I'm just trying this out as I try to think through this. Well, I got to tell you, <laughs> and I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but there are times when we get so bored with the world of beer that that does not for a second affect how we execute what we do. Um, I would never be bored with producing our beer and fretting over the quality and perfection of it constantly. Um, that will never change. But the world of beer is boring as fuck. It gets really hard to talk about sometimes. I get sick of talking about it, but one of the beautiful things about the business that Jen and I have built is that we are so diverse in our interests and what we are passionate about um, that it goes so far beyond beer. Beer and brewing is at the very heart of everything we do. and by its definition, is what we do. But to say that that is what gives us a sense of 
accomplishment, um, that is just one small aspect. Our environmental initiatives, our social yeah. initiatives, using our platform to talk about what's important to us, that beer gives us that voice. And I touched on that very early on in our conversation when you started talking about selling and, and moving on and stuff like that. When we want to go in and talk to a school about children's future and we say we're from the alchemist, they open the door and let us right in. And that gives us our in. Um, but we're not going in there to talk to them about beer by any stretch right. of the imagination. We're in there talking to children and trying to inspire them in life in general. When we have the freedom to hire who we want to hire, uh, we now have five employees with special needs. If we were in a corporate situation, we would have somebody telling us, no, you can't do that. I mean, you're the, the productivity and blah, 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 you know, all of that. It's like, no, 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 no. This is who we care about. This is the kind of business that we want to be. We recognize the positive power of hiring some of these employees and what that brings to our business and what that brings to our staff and how our circle of influence in this world expands and what it encompasses. Those are the things that we're really passionate about. When I give brewery tours, I'll talk about, if it's a 30 minute tour, I'll talk about beer for about two minutes. The other 28 minutes I'm talking about our environmental initiatives, our, yep. our social programs, what we find to be important in the world, we can talk politics because, quite frankly, I don't give a shit if you disagree with us politically. I'm going to speak my mind and I'm going to tell you why I think we're right. A lot of breweries and businesses don't have that ability because they're too worried about offending somebody. We don't have to worry about that. It's me and Jen. And we've certainly offended people over the years. And that's okay because uh, quite often it, it drives us nuts. Oh, I don't want to talk about politics. It's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> How can you live a life and not talk about stuff like that? We'll never, ever lose our passion for our beer and our quality. I mean, that's what, that's, everything is built on that. But when at the end of the day, a room full of dudes talking about beer, you know, I could care less. How many times I've asked to be on panels to talk about beer? It's like, no, thanks. No, thank you. You want to talk about recycling? I'll talk to you about that all day long. You want to talk about social change and the need for people to wake the fuck up? We'll talk to you about that all day long. But if you just want us to sit and talk about uh, the esters of this or the body of that, uh, boring. So boring. Beer <laughs> festivals. Oh, my God. Oh, I could care less if I ever go to another beer festival again. It, it, it drives me nuts. Well, I think a couple things here. This is really important. I think a couple things here can be true, right? Clearly, you've identified that it is the beer that has given you the platform. So that one of the things like I talk about here at Blister is like 
the product reviews we do, that is going to sort of always be the backbone of what we do. And that is kind of sacred. We need to be always operating at an A plus level to whatever that means at a given point in time. And hopefully 10 years from now, we're doing it better than we are today. But then we do also have these opportunities to expand and hopefully do good things in other elements of the world. But if we start messing up at what I call the backbone of what we do, you know, and I I trust that would resonate with you. 100%. I mean, that's, (laughs) I mean, I, there's not a beer that gets brewed here that I don't write the recipe for, that I don't go in and talk to my brewers ahead of time and discuss every aspect of making that beer from beginning to end or where I'm not tasting that beer through the tanks as it goes until it's packaged. There's not a single one ever in the existence of the alchemist in almost 20 years. I'm a total, and I will unashamedly say that I'm a complete control freak. And so is Jen. I mean, we control every aspect of this business. And that's actually one of our biggest challenges is identifying the things that we can let go to other people. The reality is, is that that's very little. Of course, there are things and we have an amazing staff that does amazing things. At the end of the day, it is mine and Jen's attention to every detail along the way that makes the alchemist unique and keeps the alchemist unique. And yes, I I can relate to that 100%. I mean, that is what I say, that the beer is our passion and is the basis of everything that we do. But we have a very multifaceted um, array of passions at this point. Um, And our independence as owners is what enables so much of that. We don't have to have somebody else's opinion. We take the business in the direction that we want to take it in, not somebody else. Would you be interested in sort of spelling out some of the sustainability initiatives? That is a big conversation. It really is. And something like that, something like that, um, you'd be doing yourself a disservice if you didn't have Jen in on that conversation because she is so much um, the driver. Um, You know, let's be honest. (laughs) Over the years, Jen has taught me amazing things, Um, number one of which is how to be an empathetic human being and a member of the human race. Um, By my very nature, I can be unaware of how I affect those around me. Being very focused, this is the way we're going to do it and this is we move on. And if your feelings are hurt, I'm sorry about that, but I don't have time to think about that. Um, She has taught me so much on those little interactions with people that mean so much and how to stop what you're doing and be present in the moment and to be aware of that, that we're all human beings. We're one human family here and we're all going through the same trials and tribulations of being a human on planet earth and being empathetic and not being um, dismissive of somebody else's difficulties in life and challenges that somebody might be up against and to never think that 
oh, well, you just got to work hard, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, like that whole argument. What a load of shit, you know? Um, people need help. People need a sympathetic ear. Yes, we're all created equal, but we're not all given the same tools to cope. And to just be aware of that. And uh, again, grateful what I have been given and um, and just more understanding that not everybody is given those same things. Here's a thought. I would love to talk to Jen. I mean, I was there. I was on site. I took the tour, right? I took the factory tour. Like you said, it, it was a few minutes on the beer and I'm major and not a bullshit, like a detailed aspect of this is our equipment. These are our processes. These are the sustainability kind of initiatives tied to them and why we're doing it this way. So I got to see that firsthand. I'd be happy to record a conversation with Jen. I'm actually going to be back in Vermont in mid-October. It is not incorrect to say you guys are a bit of a flagship for breweries in terms of really trying to hit every element where it's possible on these fronts. If that sounds of interest, we can do that and we can sign off and leave this kind of here for now. Uh, Yeah, I think that would be the smart thing. Well, John, I want to let you get going. I have really enjoyed this conversation and we have touched a bit on the sustainability initiatives that are very important to you and Jen. But what I want to do is actually find a time to come back and do effectively an entire conversation dedicated to that because it is quite impressive what you have created at The Alchemist in terms of the sustainability of the processes and the like. So I really want to, uh, it's okay, and I'd, I'd love to get Jen on to talk about these things. So if that sounds good to you, I think we could sign off for now and, um, you know, revisit those topics and give them their kind of deserved time. Absolutely. We'll have to have a part two. Part two. Hey, man. um, Thank you. Really. This has been really fun. Appreciate the thoughts on many different fronts and looking forward to part two very much. Excellent. Well, that's it for this edition of Crafted. I want to say thanks to John for the great conversation. Thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And from the entire team here at Blister, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. We will talk to you again later this week on all of our other podcasts, which you can find listed in the show notes of this episode. Take care, everybody.